fire's burning, fire's burning. Draw nearer, draw nearer. In the glowing, in the glowing, come sing and be merry. Fire's burning, fire's burning. Draw nearer, draw nearer. Draw nearer, draw nearer. In the glowing, in the glowing, come sing and be merry. Draw nearer, draw nearer. Draw nearer, draw nearer. Come the glowing, in the glowing, come sing and be merry. Hello there, and welcome to a very special episode of No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. Ordinarily, when we kick off the show, we start with some great short fiction, but we are setting a mood today. I'm hoping you are round the campfire with us, getting ready to swap stories and roast a few marshmallows, because today's episode is a celebration of storytelling, or a celebration. Telebration is put on by the National Storytelling Network. It's a trademark of the National Storytelling Network, and it's actually a worldwide celebration. And here on the No Extra Words podcast, we are acknowledging it by hearing the great stories of great podcasters in that true oral storytelling tradition. I will be back in a little bit to tell you a little bit more about Telebration, the thread that sort of ties all this together, and my connection to this wonderful festival. But... You're not here to listen to all that. You're here to listen to great stories. So we are going to read the proclamation that starts each celebration, and then you're going to hear some great stories from a couple of talented podcasters. In the name of storytelling, the National Storytelling Network and the No Extra Words podcast are proud to sponsor Telebration. November 19th, 2016, or because we are an on-demand medium, Whenever and wherever you hear us, is hereby proclaimed to be Telebration, the worldwide event of storytelling. At this very moment, across six continents in 40 states and nine countries, from Sacramento to Savannah, Boise to Barcelona, West Virginia to West Indies, and all around the world here on the No Extra Words podcast, over 300 audiences are gathered for this spectacular storytelling event. Without further delay... In joy and anticipation, let the stories begin. I'm Hilda Labradagor, and on my birthday last August, I found myself in a remote Maasai village about three hours from Nairobi. There was no need for cake or ice cream or balloons because I received the most fantastic present first thing. I was given the opportunity to sit at the feet of a man who was over 100 years old and to learn about his life. Dixon, my Maasai host, introduced me to Sanko Ole Sirote. He seemed weathered, but well. He was draped in the traditional Maasai red cape and clothing. He had sandals on his feet and legs that were thin but did not look weak. He came and sat beside me. 
I could hardly wait to begin the conversation. What had his eyes seen over the course of these many decades? What secrets might I learn that I could pass on to listeners and friends about how to live a healthy, long life? He began by saying that he was getting older and uh, his eyesight wasn't as good as before. And in the morning, sometimes he had aches in his joints. It's just age, he said. (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But truly, he was in great health considering his age. He said he had no surgeries over the years, no medicine to speak of, no shots. And when I asked him about his community's health in the past, he said, there was no one who was sick. We were all very healthy. I asked him about the changes today, and he said, there are so many changes. People are getting sick. There are diseases which I cannot even describe. He said, there are a lot of diseases coming, but before, as I said, there were no diseases. During my days, there were no injections. But right now, every time, they just say that people need to be vaccinated because a disease is coming. People need to be injected. But when I was a young man, I never had an injection. I asked him what people are eating today, and he said, Even food has changed because you have to buy food. Everything you have to buy from a shop. During my time, you would depend on what is coming from the livestock, but now you have to go and buy. When I asked him how his diet had changed, he said, I started having tea in 1916. (laughs) I asked him, what do you recommend for good health? He said, you should start with milk exclusively or cream made from milk. Just that. And that is it. Up to seven years of age. Children were breastfed up to five years, and everything we ate was from the cow, he said, milk and blood. About his family, he said, I have more than 17 children and five grandchildren. They're in good, good health. I have three brothers. They're still alive. I have one sister. She is still alive. I asked him about his wealth and cattle and goats, and he said, my sons have taken them. (laughs) Well, again, it was just a privilege to be in Kenya talking to Sankau. I couldn't believe I was there. The Weston A. Price Foundation sent me, because they believe, and I do as well, that people who have walked this earth longer than us and before us have much to teach us. The traditions of the past can inform our health today. That's why we've launched the Wise Traditions podcast. We want to learn from the wisdom of those ancient diets. There's much to learn and much to share. So keep listening. Hello, Celebration of Podcasts. We are Radio Tatas. A little over two years ago, we met listening to a radio show that we absolutely love. And our friends had a fan podcast about it. And we decided after they had changed formats that we would pick up and do a fan podcast. Because women, we do it better. Absolutely. We never expected the friendship that we have to grow. It's unusual at times, (laughs) but we always have fun in the end. Yeah. It's become an extension of our friendship to get together on Saturdays or Sundays and get together and laugh and tell stories and share podcasts with our audience and do one of our Mm -hmm. signature bits, trucker porn. Our podcast has been summed up by fellow podcaster as being at a middle school slumber party. And I didn't know how to take that at first. 
But after about a year of sitting on that description, I'm okay with it. <laughs> and it's a little ridiculous that we've spoken now and told you our story for about a minute and a half, and I haven't giggled. It, that is a record. <laughs> that is a record, because I am basically sitting across from Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> Pretty much. Her name is Natalie. Mm-hmm. And this is Lala. Hi. We're I ready- mean, that's Lala. Yeah. I'm Natalie. <laughs> there we go. See? And my we goal. are Radio, <laughs> Radio Tatas. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to share our story. Tune in if you want. We appreciate you doing this project. And talk like no one's listening. Ta-ta. Natalie and Lala. Radio I'm Levi Andrew Noe, and this is a story of Rocky Mountain Revival Audio Art Journal. I really wish I had that pivotal Genesis moment, but it was kind of this long, winding path that I'm not really sure where or what actually started things into motion. But I'll tell you what I do know. I got into podcasts when I first got my smartphone. It was probably about four years ago that I entered the new digital age with my shiny smartphone, and I discovered all these crazy apps, and of course one of them was the podcast app, and as soon as I discovered that, I was like this just crazy, ravenous podcast wolf, and I'm I'm still that way, to be honest, but on another parallel storyline, I've always been a writer always coming up with stories, always looking for new ways to tell stories, and always had some crazy projects going on, like, for example, I made a full-cast children's audiobook with friends and colleagues of mine that had voice actors and original music, and that was called One Day as a Raven. I mean, I've always been writing and coming up with wacky ideas for comedy skits. I had a children's yoga company that I produced audiobooks for that kids can do yoga to called Tall Tales Yoga. And that's just a fraction of all the strange things that I get into. So I thought to myself, what if there was a way to share all this with people? I thought for a while, kept thinking, kept thinking, then of course it hit, duh, a podcast. And Rocky Mountain Revival was actually something way different in theory than what it is now. Uh, I originally wanted it to be something like a sketch comedy interview show with music and stories as a special feature. And because I just let it become its own thing, I now am primarily a literature podcast and in that particular niche I have become heavily involved with flash fiction. Uh, Rocky Mountain Revival has led me to meet some really amazing people, some great writers, and I've made connections that have really helped me grow on my own as a writer as well. And, um, yeah, that's my story. Uh, I plan on making more podcasts, and I'm actually working on that sketch variety show that I originally had. Um, But really, I just wanted to share this story because I think it's really it's so amazing 
that this world we live in can allow us to share and connect and co-create with so many people we may never have met in any other way. And so anyone that hears this that has their own ideas waiting inside, I definitely encourage you to just try it out. You have nothing to lose and you never know where it's going to take you. I wanted to close with a little audio montage of some of the music and people that have been on the show in the last couple years. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. So this is the time I found a dead body. My name is Laura Rodley. This poem is Coda. Junk Mail by Renuka Ragman. Jetpack by Timothy Harris. Metropolitan Cocktail Party by Penny Perkins. Solomon's Knot by John Grabsky. Ecstasy by Amitabh Vikram. Deer Season by Jim DeFilippi. Gone by Jane Martin. A poem for the man who murdered my cousin last September. Hello there. It's Chris again. So that was a little taste of what I got when I asked podcasters to tell me their story. And there's more coming. But I wanted to end that first segment with Levi's recording. Levi is a former No Extra Words contributor and a fellow flash fiction podcaster. And I love what he says about his show, The Rocky Mountain Revival, being so different than what he had first imagined it to be and him needing to let it become what it was meant to be because that speaks to not only my show as well and I think a lot of podcasters go through that journey but it speaks to what a celebration of podcasts this special episode of the no extra words podcast has become so I'm going to very briefly tell you what my vision was for this and then what actually happened so my history with celebration, I told in a celebration when I was in college. I took both storytelling and advanced storytelling for reasons I'm still not quite sure why, but um, the advanced storytelling class put on a celebration on my college campus, and it was the first time I'd ever seen professional storytellers. You know, I, I knew storytelling was a powerful teaching tool and kind of a universal art form, but the idea that somebody could be paid to tell stories was a little strange to me. Um, we had a teller who was our headliner from a local native tribe and he and I found ourselves playing off one another because my story that I was telling was about my time as a camp counselor and my camp name was Bigfoot. And his story was about a mythological, scary, horrible smelling, large woman in his culture. Um, and her name translated to Bigfoot. So he and I got to kind of play off each other a little bit. But one of my favorite moments was, this was 1999. So cell phones, not as common as they are now. And the very first woman, so, you know, the introductions are made and they read the proclamation that I did at the beginning of this show. And this very first storyteller that I've kind of ever heard in my life stands up on stage and she says, the theater was haunted. And from the back of the room, somebody's phone rings. And without missing a beat, she said, by a ghost with a cell phone. And there was just this applause in the auditorium. And she kind of nodded her head in this little half bow. And she said, sometimes the universe gives me a door and I walk right through it. And that's the difference between storytelling and a script. 
I'm not saying storytellers don't practice. I'm not saying there's not a plan, but you have to be able to ride with what's going on in the moment. And I think that's what makes podcasting different from radio. There are radio shows that become great podcasts, but the podcasts that are really just people talking into their microphones are so, they're not dependent on a time clock. They're not dependent on a, you know, they have don't have to keep certain words off the air. It's, you know, you might be on script, but you're also responding to the person you're talking to in conversation. You're responding to your listeners. It's a very intimate medium. And it really is, I think, in that tradition of oral storytelling. And we as human beings are tellers. It's it's in us. It's in every culture. It's in throughout the history of the world. And so I wanted to, when I got to the point where I was doing podcasting and getting involved with podcasters, I wanted to bring the voices of story of podcasters as storytellers together and let them tell their stories. And so I created this call for podcasters to send their audio. And the stuff I got back was so wildly different than what I possibly imagined because I had not stopped and thought for a moment how different the shows are and how different the people are. There's a total of 10 voices I'm going to bring to you today, three of which you just heard, but there's going to be a grand total of 10. And I could not have imagined 10 more different pieces of audio. There's a story from a guy who has a podcast about microbrewing. You know, podcasters are so different in the worlds in which we work. And it was so different, but so much cooler than I had possibly imagined that it could be. And so it was beginning to shape up to be this really cool project. But not only do I depend upon other people and what they send, I'm also not living in a vacuum here. I podcast and we all podcast and we all create whatever it is we're creating in this real world that keeps on turning and keeps on bringing its current events at us. And I had not anticipated, nor had I planned, for this to be the first episode that I recorded after this election. Um, We did release an episode a week after the election, but it was previously recorded. So this is my first time turning on the microphone since the election happened. Now, before you panic, this is not a political show. I'm not going to talk politics. This is a fiction show. This is a story show. I'm going to talk art. Um, But I don't exist away from this world spinning. And it's been an emotional, certainly in America, but I think around the world, it's been an emotional draining force, this election. And however the people in your life feel about what has happened, I am not going to speak to that. All I can do is is speak to you my truth. And I can tell you that in my world, there are a lot of people who are emotional for all kinds of reasons, just because this thing has happened, which is really big. And However you feel about it, big historical events happening can be very shaking. And it shook me in ways I wasn't expecting. Again, politics aside, just the sheer emotion of what was going on around me with people's reactions and strong reactions and all of that is happening as I'm piecing together this special episode and trying to do my best to honor these voices of people who have shared their stories. So this is the context during which all of this is happening. And I didn't quite know what to do with it. And I turned, as I do so often in my life, to a book. And it happened to be a book that happened to be in my car that I had bought, I don't even know when, that seemed to have been saved for exactly this moment for me. And I have it right here. It is Stitches, a handbook on meaning, hope, and repair by Anne Lamott. If you don't know Emma Lamott, she's probably best known for her essays. She is a novelist. 
Um, she's probably best known for her essays. She also wrote one of my favorite books on parenting ever. It's um, Operating Instructions, A Diary of My Son's First Year. And it's older now. In fact, I think she's a grandmother now. I think she actually did one, The Diary of My Son's First Son. But her essays are largely on faith. Um, and there are several collections of them. I think the one that was the top seller is Hope Thanks Wow, The Only Three Fires You Ever Need. And this book that I picked up was kind of a follow-up to Hope Thanks Wow, and it was published in 2013 and was sort of a reaction to all of the bad stuff that was going on in the world at that time, um, Sandy Hook being a big one, but there had been tsunamis and there had been all kinds of stuff happening, and I think there was things happening in her personal life as well. So it's sort of the inside flyleaf when you go to read the description of this book says a wise and compassionate exploration of how we can make sense of life's chaos. Now, again, huge disclaimer. I'm not going to compare this election to a tragedy. I don't want to get into political anything. Um, all I want to say about it was that it was a huge emotional event. And I think this book was helping to me to respond to um, emotional upheaval. And so I pick up this book. And I'm trying to make sense of how I'm going to do a special episode, bring in people whose voices I really want to honor, um, speak to my audience, my regular audience, and anyone else who may have found this through one of today's special contributors or a myriad of other ways, speak to you in honesty and truth and entertain you in the midst of all this happening. And I was struggling and continue to struggle. I think you can probably tell by my voice. And believe me, we're going to get very quickly to more stories and less me. But... Um, one of the things she writes about in this book is she walked into a Sunday school class the week after Sandy Hook and um, her Sunday school classes on all ages Sunday school class that she teaches um, with a lot of special needs kids in it and she writes if something awful has occurred I asked the kids at Sunday school if they wanted if they want to talk about what has happened or if they would rather make art 100% of the time they would rather make art bingo that's what I needed I needed sort of permission to put all of this stuff aside and make art and I want to speak with gratitude to the podcasters who share their voices with us today because that is what you guys are doing out there whether you think of what you do as art or not believe me you make art and it matters I'm going to get you to more stories as promised um Amy Erstreiter is coming up next. I really hope I'm saying her name right. She spoke on the Unmistakable Creative podcast, and I am going to link in the show notes connected with this episode to all of these shows and all of these people so you can find them. I really tried to limit the podcasters to four minutes. Amy could not tell her story in four minutes, so hers is just an excerpt of what she has gone through, and it is amazing. I just, I was stunned sitting there listening to Amy talk. A um, couple of people are going to share very briefly about the background stories of their shows. And then you are going to hear from Hadass. I, one of the things I wanted to do with this show is honor people who have been kind enough to bring me on their show. I don't have an interview show. So when I do get interviewed, I can't bring people on here to talk about themselves. And Hadass and I got on her show, The Common Room, and talked Harry Potter a while back, which was oh my god, so fun. And so I wanted to make sure Hadass was featured. And um, 
I'm going to come talk to you at the end because I need to say goodbye to you before I bring you our final voice of this show, which is Autumn Beam with a Hot Mess Moment. So I'll be back to kind of close this out, and I hope you really are enjoying hearing the voices of podcasters, and it is close to my heart to do this project. I, I think you can hear that, so I hope that it's bringing something to your world today, too. And here we are. Next up is Amy Erstreicher. Hello, my name is Amy Ostriker, and this was a podcast I did um, on the uh, Unmistakable Creative, which is a wonderful podcast about people with innovative ideas and using creativity as as a life force. And really, creativity was my life force. Um, it helped me heal through um, unthinkable circumstances. You know, a trauma that completely changed my life at the age of 18 when my stomach exploded, I found creativity to be a really amazing resource to give me a sense of control where there was none and a way to reclaim my voice. And on this podcast, we really delved into how not only creativity was a survival skill, but also gratitude and nature and, um, and how all those things help give me perspective. finally told my mother when I was 18 in April on April 10th and then we were going to get therapy and all these things and then April 25th I started having just a very bad stomach ache and it didn't go away and so my father who's also a doctor just didn't like that my stomach looked a little distended so we went to the operating room or the emergency room and to get an x-ray and apparently on the way there my cheeks just like puffed up. There was so much pressure. Um, and it turned out I had gone septus and the fluid had gone to all my internal organs. And if I had gotten there a second later, I would have died. So the surgeons actually cut me open and my stomach, so the story goes, actually burst to the top of the OR and I needed 122 units of blood. Um, and I almost died. And I woke up from a coma months later and Obviously, it was a big shock to me. I had no idea what was happening. In my head, I was still trying to figure out what college I was going to and why I wasn't back in high school. And eventually, my doctors told me that I I didn't have a stomach anymore and I couldn't eat or drink anything. And they didn't know when or if I'd ever be able to again. So for someone that was completely healthy her entire life, who was just used to being thought of as a you know, a drama queen. And this was a very big shock to me, waking up in literally like an alternate universe. So for me, it was very strange having people refer to me suddenly as sick and as a patient. And my biggest fear more than anything was that I was just not going to be able to make my mark on the world. I think as a creator and performer, that's all you want to do. And so that became my drive to to stay vital and stay alive. And so I just tried to connect to anything that could remind me of, you know, what my life force is, which is creating. So, I mean, as soon as I could, I started 
you know, just visualizing myself just dancing again and moving again. And as soon as my hands weren't shaky from medications, I started to write um, and create. And that really was my way of just keeping my sanity and making me remember who I was underneath all the, you know, tubes and IVs and such. Um, and so in the hospital, you know, um, we were there a few months in the ICU, and I had a wonderfully supportive family that just stayed with me the entire time. But, you know, that's one world. You're in your little nest, and in a way, you're protected. Um, and in a way, it was a way for me to discover the world again. I almost felt as much as I was sad and upset and scared. I almost had this sense of wonderment, like I was sort of a newborn child coming in to see the world again, like suddenly I had understood what the, you know, human body was capable of, and also the wonder of just, you know, having a chance to breathe, and being supported by loved ones, and and seeing the sun as if for the first time, and so that was almost like a period of discovery for me. I'm not saying everyone needs to be in a coma to to get to that point, but it was a strange feeling to get at 18 um, when I was ready to just, you know, press on with the rest of my life. But when I was discharged from the hospital months later, that was a very hard reality because as much as I would have loved healing to happen all at once and when I was home would be the day I'd finally be normal, um, I still couldn't eat or drink, which was really difficult considering the outside world. There's there's sinks, there's food, there's people who don't understand what it's like to have been in the ICU. So that was a very difficult time, especially since I had no timeline of when I would be, you know, surgically reconstructed again or if. Um, So I just had to go day by day just making up this hope. Hello there. My name is Savella Morgan. Are you childless not by choice? Do you know someone who is? After years of hoping and waiting, even attempting on two occasions to adopt, I realized I would never have children. It was a difficult time for me, but I decided that I could not be the only woman on this planet trying to figure out how to deal with my situation. You see, I was not willing to pretend I was okay when I really was not. I wanted children, and I was not going to be having any. I heard all types of comments down through the years from acquaintances and strangers alike. Some meant well, but some wanted me to be sure I recognized they had something I would never have. Through it all, as much as my heart hurt, I also knew there were women worldwide who were going through the same or similar circumstances and feelings. And on top of that, some women were being physically and mentally mistreated. So I created 21st Century Hannah, a platform where I speak to and encourage women who are childless not by choice. To listen to my podcast episodes and to learn more about my platform, visit me at www.childlessnotbychoice.net. That's www.childlessnotbychoice.net. Thank you.
My name is Barbara Stevens, and I host a podcast called Breakup Recovery. I started my podcast in December 2015, so I'm relatively new to podcasting. I've been asked why have I started my podcast, and I guess the story starts with my own divorce after 20-odd years of marriage. And even though I was the one who wanted out of the marriage, for me, the breakup was a very turbulent time emotionally. We were both unhappy, but it came to a point where I couldn't live with the situation any longer. I could no longer live in a loveless marriage, and I had to make the move, otherwise I would continue to live a lie. Even though I was the one who wanted out of the marriage, the actual breakup hit me hard. I was frightened and scared for my future. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't think clearly. I cried all the time. I was a complete mess. I suffered from anxiety and remained almost housebound until it was time for me to move out of the marital home. I had no idea how I was going to cope on my own. I was depressed and mourning the loss of a lifestyle I had had for over 20 years. I did not think I was capable of thinking for myself, so I know how hard it is when you are going through a breakup, separation or divorce. It was during this time that I wanted something good to come from my breakup experience. So I set about developing my 12 Inspirational Step program to help other women through this stressful time. It was also at this time that I interviewed 12 remarkable women who have battled and survived their own breakups. For my book, You'll Be Okay. Instead of writing a book that promoted divorce advice or attempting to dissect the cause of divorce, like many other books, I aim to give women the tools and ideas to start their positive journey and to move forward after their breakups. The interviews are with real women with real stories that people can relate to and advice they can use to improve their own situation. So I have a business where I mentor women one-on-one who feel stuck and don't know how to move forward or they are feeling overwhelmed and don't know how to get over their breakup. I have my book, You'll Be Okay, so a podcast seemed like the next frontier for me to tackle. I try and make sure Breakup Recovery Podcast is jam-packed full of strategies, ideas and tips that are straightforward and practical. My aim is to present key skills that will assist people when they are stuck so they can embrace life again. I want people to regain their confidence after their breakups so they can feel that they can turn their life around immediately and create lasting changes for the better. For most, comfort can be found by listening to the experiences of others, by knowing you are not alone and that everything will be okay. I wanted to find a way to share what other women had gone through, their stories of their breakups, what they did, how they felt at the time, what their challenges were, what they learned, how they got through their experiences. I also wanted to share their coping strategies so that other women could relate to their approaches, identify with some of their issues, and find answers they could use or try. Through Breakup Recovery Podcasts, I have interviewed women who have been in narcissistic and abusive relationships, women who have had their partners cheat and lie to them, women who have had nothing but drama and pain, or no power during their relationships, women who have been verbally and emotionally abused, All of these women have shared their stories, their battles and their survival. Through Breakup Recovery Podcast, I want to give people hope so they can begin their journey of recovery after their breakups.
Hi listeners, my name is Hadas and I'm from Common Room. We're Comrom Co. all over social media. Our website is comrom.co and you can find us on any podcast directory um, under Common Room. We do podcasts on pop culture and lifestyle and the idea of that came from a really random place. I was actually studying classical cultures in college and decided that I would like to teach it. Um, I never realized it was something I wanted to do. I never realized I would love classical cultures. You know, everyone loves Greek and Roman mythology when they learn it for the first time, but I didn't realize it was a whole huge subject that I would love, specifically the literature aspect of the Greek and Roman culture. So I wanted to be a professor. That was my that was my goal, but to continue in classics would be incredibly difficult as you have to learn ancient Greek and Latin in order to pursue this. It, it makes sense because if you want to learn about the authentic stories, you've got to know the language that they were written in. It, you really lose a lot in translation. So I decided I would major, uh, get my master's, major in English literature, try to do something like comparative literature for my PhD. When I finished my master's, and when I was approaching finishing my master's, when I was writing my thesis, I asked my dean, okay, so now what do we do? How do I start the PhD application process? And he said, Hadass, I don't think this is for you. This is going to be really competitive, really unpredictable. All of my classmates, all my friends in PhD programs are the same thing. This is not for you. There's no guarantee that you're going to get what you want. And it's a very long road, a long, expensive, and hard road. And I'm really glad people told me that because at that point, it was obviously very devastating. I actually found out on my birthday, which was a stupid thing to do to ask about my future on my birthday. And um, I decided to, I actually quit my job just a week before because I was like, okay, time to settle down, time to focus on this. I've been at this job for five and a half years. It's not a career-oriented job. It's time to start focusing on, on this part of my career which I then found out wasn't going to be my career. So I decided to start a blog, sitting at home for a month writing my thesis and being bored out of my mind. So I decided to start a blog. Didn't work out because I can't do things on my own. I have a million ideas and things that I want to write about or do, but I just can't be held accountable when I'm by myself. So then I remembered that I loved podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts since 2005 when my two favorite Harry Potter sites, MuggleNet and The Leaky Cauldron, created their own and that's how I discovered that I love them. So I said, let me try that. And I asked a bunch of my friends from high school, from college, from the internet, World of Warcraft, from all the different places that I knew might be interested in, in creating a podcast. And we made one. And it, it's still happening, which is ridiculous to me because so many times you have amazing ideas. I think everyone has amazing ideas. But the hard part is actually making them happen. And with something like a podcast, continuing to make them happen. Um, I can't say that I've been doing an excellent job at continuing, but it does still exist, and I'm very proud of that. The idea of pop culture and lifestyle together is basically because that's the kind of girl I am. I love Entertainment Weekly, and I love Glamour Magazine, and I love both of those topics with equal amount of passion. And I never found one place that really talks about them in that way. So I decided to make it myself. Am I succeeding? Not as much as I want to be, but it's a constant goal and it's not going anywhere and it's all up to me. And that's the story of Common Room. I'm Hadass. Find us at comrom.co, at comromco, all over social media. And I hope to chat with you soon.
Hi, I'm Cody Goff from Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast where adults play video games and have a life at the same time. It sounds like a crazy concept, and even crazier is the name of our podcast, Game Life Balance US, which of course implies that there is a non-US edition of the podcast, which there is. So John Martin, my co-host, and I have known each other forever, and we used to host a video game podcast called Unqualified Gamers. And our shtick was we wouldn't interview experts or have guests from the industry or anything. We were just two regular guys that sat around talking about video games. Well, there came a point where John had a kid, (laughs) had a baby, and I moved in with a girlfriend, and we just were really busy and did not exactly have time to play that many new games. So after our 49th episode straight of me rambling about Hearthstone, we decided we should rebrand. And I've known John for 20-some years. The only name we could agree on was Game Life Balance. It just worked. But of course, I ran a Google search, and someone had already been using that for a podcast. So I check out this Game Life Balance podcast, and it turns out the two guys in Australia, Rob and AC, were doing a podcast called That. They'd been doing it for about a year, but when I listened to their last episode, it turns out, and this is the most random timing ever, that that was their last episode. They, they, they had posted it that week and said, hey, listen, Rob's wife is having a baby soon. He's going to be real busy you know, raising a human being, and we're going to take a break, or possibly this could be our last episode ever. So what the heck? I email AC, and I go, hey, listen, I'm a guy that lives in the United States, completely across the world from you, and I want to use the name of your podcast? How do you feel about that? And shockingly... He not only replied, but said that he would talk to Rob about it and said, oh, that's an interesting idea. Well, a couple weeks later, he actually emails me again and says, listen, Rob and I really like the name and we think we're probably going to do some more podcasts, but we could call ourselves Game Life Balance Australia and then you could be Game Life Balance US. And just like that, it actually happened. And we now have a sister show in Australia. And this is just the coolest example of how the internet can actually bring people together and create relationships. Because shortly after we formed this partnership, I became a huge, legitimately big fan of Game Life Balance Australia. I think they're hilarious. And they listen to a lot of our back episodes of Unqualified Gamers. Now they listen to our podcast. We make jokes about each other on our shows all the time. And Rob and AC are very active on Twitter. And we are tweeting at each other all the time. I mean, I'm talking four to five days a week. I feel like they are friends. I feel like I could go visit Australia and stay with them. I would be more than happy to host them here in Chicago where I live and have them as guests at any point in time. So we've just created this really cool relationship and all it took was me saying, hey, can we have your name? Which is probably rude on some level, but I don't know. We're Americans. What can you do? So anyway, that's my story of my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Cody Goff with Game Life Balance US, which you can find at GameLifeBalance.us. Craft beer is such an exciting place. I like to refer to the industry as a place because for me, it's more about the people than the product.
I'm Nathan Pierce, the host of Microbrewer Podcast. It's a podcast about how to start a brewery. So I interview brewers, brewery owners, and other industry experts all about how to start a brewery. Just asking their best ideas, their biggest mistakes, learning everything and anything we need to know about how to start a brewery. In 2015, the number of breweries in the U.S. hit 4,269. You can find the stats at the Brewers Association. 4,269 breweries in the U.S. That's more than at any other time. And that's saying a lot because Prohibition in the 1920s got rid of all of the breweries in the U.S., at least officially. But even after Prohibition ended in 1933, there was a peak of about only 800 breweries. And then it trickled off lower, lower, more breweries going out of business by competition from larger breweries, more and more breweries going out of business, fewer and fewer choices for consumers. Until around 1978, there was less than 50 breweries in the entire United States of America. And then something happened. In the 1960s, the Back to the Land movement was happening. People were going outdoors. Families were camping together. The whole outdoor movement really took off. People were rock climbing, canoeing, snowshoeing, all sorts of outdoor recreation. And there was also a growing interest, a return to do-it-yourself ethics. More people were growing their own food in their gardens, canning food, hunting, and generally eschewing the mass-produced for the handmade or custom. This also included home brewing, making beer at home. Home brewing also started becoming more popular in the 1960s. However, although it was legal for commercial breweries to make beer, it wasn't until 1978 that U.S. repealed restrictions on home brewing. The Brewers Association and the American Home Brewers Association started shortly after that. And in 1979, a couple of home brewers turned their hobby into a business. Sierra Nevada Brewing Co. opened in Chico, California. The first beer was a pale ale. If you haven't tasted Sierra Nevada pale ale, you might have seen it on store shelves. The signature green label with a yellow banner and an image of a fresh stream running through the foothills beneath the Sierra Nevada mountains. In 2015, Sierra Nevada was the seventh largest of all breweries in the U.S., so they do get around, and quality definitely has something to do with it. But it all started with a dream. In 2013, Alabama and Mississippi finally legalized homebrewing, so it's now legal to homebrew in all 50 states. The Homebrewers Association estimates there are 1.2 million homebrewers in the U.S. More than two breweries per day opened in 2015, and there are 1,800 breweries in planning. Today, in September 2016, there's a bill going through Congress to reduce excise tax on beer. Twin bills in the House and Senate, so it's likely to pass. And what a great thing for politicians to agree on. It couldn't be a better time to start a brewery. And there are more dreams to start a brewery. If you dream of starting a brewery, or if you just want to know the stories behind your favorite local brewery, check out Microbrewer Podcast. 
We talk about everything craft beer related with a focus for people looking at starting their own microbrewery or wanting to take their existing brewery to the next level. Do you love craft beer? Are you fascinated by the variety of flavors in beer and the diversity of breweries? Have you ever wondered what it's like behind the scenes of a working craft brewery? Do you dream of leaving your job and starting a brewery of your own? Then Microbrewer Podcast is the right place for you. Hi guys, it's Chris again. So I gave you a pretty long stretch there of stories. I decided not to break it up too much because I wanted you to hear all of those different voices and just hear how differently each of those niches and each of those shows and each of those people interprets the phrase, tell me a story, which is basically the only instructions they got. Tell me a four minute story. Pretty cool, huh? And now is the part where I get to go fangirl. Because long before, like to Hadass, long before I ever was a podcaster, I was a podcast listener. And my first favorite show has, it's a long story. It has morphed and become something entirely different. So I won't even go there. But I had the uh, the one show that kind of brought me in. And, and now I have a couple of shows that I just feel so connected to. And one of them is Autumn Beam's Write Your Own Story. The best way that I have of describing Autumn's podcast, I always tell people it's Christian but not stuffy. Um, she talks to real women about real things going on in their lives, be they, you know, moms or wives or about their profession or sometimes all of the above. And it's an interview based show and it's just she's got a really cool take on it. And one of the things I love about Autumn's show is every episode, she has the same question she asks her guests and she gives them advance warning so they have some time to prepare. But she has them tell her their hot mess moment. Just the moment, whether it was five years ago or five minutes ago, the moment where everything was just completely falling apart to really bring the humanness of her guests to life. And I, for those of you who listen regularly to the show, you know I am mom of a toddler and those hot mess moments make me feel so much less alone in my world. And so when I was putting this project together, I emailed Autumn and I said, I just, I can't have this happen without a hot mess moment. I'm just, I'm going to fangirl you and say, I'm doing this podcast show and you got to contribute. And God love Autumn. She was wonderful and sent me some audio. And that is what we are going to close with. And so I'm super excited to bring you Autumn's voice to finish out the show. Before we get to the close, man, I can't believe we're at the close of this. This has been such a cool project bringing all these voices together. We have to do the thank yous. Thank yous are important. I would not have been able to bring these podcasters together or bring my podcast to you without the help of um, Libsyn. L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. They are my magnificent podcast hosts and they've been so helpful. They really do nuts and bolts of podcasting very, very well. If you And if you are thinking of starting a podcast, you should not be without them. Um, the other group that was helpful in getting the word out and giving me my boost was the She Podcasts community. She Podcasts is a Facebook group. It is also a podcast um, and two it's run by two lovely divas of podcasting if you are a woman podcaster or a woman who dreams of being a podcaster you need to find these people so Libsyn and she podcasts get huge thank yous as do everybody whose voices appeared on the show it's very hard to send someone else your content and not know what they're going to do with it and you know for a project like this that was not 
always well defined because it is a grand experiment. So thank you. Huge thank you to everyone who sent their audio. And I hope that we were able to do it some justice. Musical credits. Both of the songs we're using both for the opening and the closing are camp songs. They are traditional. I tried incredibly hard to find out if they were under copyright anywhere by anybody and had no luck. So I am relying on the gods of the public domain that that is true, that they are usable. Um, We opened with fires burning and we're closing with the third verse to each campfire lights anew. The crackling fire in the background is from the Free Sound Project. Um, user Matucha was kind enough to share that audio and that link will be in the show notes as well. I think it really added a degree of ambiance. So huge thank you to you for listening. I hope that you've gotten something out of this. Please stick around for your hot mess moment. Um, if you are not a regular No Extra Words listener, this is pretty different from what we usually do, but what is the same is that we bring good stories. We specialize in short fiction and every week we bring you, um, little 15 to 20 minute um, fiction jolts to get your day going. And we hope that you will consider stopping by to check some of those out. As I've said before, every show that's mentioned is listed in the show notes. So I hope that um, if you are inspired, you go check them out. It was interesting to the podcasters who contributed. They all asked me, so what's the purpose of this? Like, is the purpose of this to sell my show? Is the purpose of this to sell your show? Is the purpose of this to get people to want a podcast? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) So hopefully it did a little bit of all of that for whatever it is you needed. And if you've been dreaming of your chance to start a podcast, get behind the microphone and start making art. There's nothing really like this medium. And I think Natalie and... Lala said it best, um, talk like nobody's listening, which I think is awesome advice. And we will close on that as I take you into your hot mess moment. And I hope wherever life is taking you, you'll bring with you a good story. Hey, this is Autumn Beam. I host a faith-based weekly podcast called Write Your Own Story Podcast with Autumn Beam. Every week I talk to an inspiring and usually pretty entertaining woman that has a great story that encourages and inspires women. These women offer incredible perspective to make your life even more fulfilled and rewarding. My goal is to help you write your own story by creating your own journey and not letting the journey create you. You can subscribe on iTunes or your preferred podcast listening app and feel free to like the show on Facebook or follow me on Instagram at Autumn J. Beam. Enjoy this clip from the show. You know, there's always one part of my show that all of my guest co-hosts have to give us before you go, and that is the hot mess moment. So my hot mess moment recently was that I felt the need to talk to my 12-year-old about sex. Well, he's 12. I mean, if he's in junior high, it's happy. I mean, they're talking about it whether you're there or not. So yeah, so I'm a very visual person. Oh, no. And so I know. I know. I'm so scared about where this is going. <laughs> I get his iPad and I type in like all the STDs. You're like Google imaging the STDs. So I Google image STDs and then I wait for him because he comes to my room every night, like after everybody else goes to bed. So I did it at night, too, which is stupid. Like, so much of this was just wrong on levels of just so many levels. Anyway, and when he comes to my room, I have his iPad, and he's like, oh, why do you have that? And I was like, I'm glad you asked, because mommy wants to talk to you about sex. And his (laughs) face at that moment was like the Southwest want to get away commercial. And so he was like, right now? And I was like, yes, sit down. And so he said, is it on my iPad? (laughs) 
<laughs> kind of. And so I totally buy, I won't even give you all the gory details of how the knowledge of sex went away from my brain. And I didn't even know how to like thoroughly tell him. Like, so now he's probably scared of sex, people. Just so y'all know, he's probably scared of it. So we have like a horrible, awkward, I am sweating profusely conversation with him. Like my mouth, like I'm foaming at the mouth because it's just disgusting. So many levels. And I'm so uncomfortable. And he can see that I'm uncomfortable, which is making him uncomfortable. And so we have like this horrible conversation. And then we get to the images. And I should have probably looked at them but first but I didn't I just searched and then he came in and and so we went through them and they they made me cry but I didn't cry but he did so that's great that's awesome parenting and he (laughs) you made him cry I made him cry with the images the images went over the top and so the images went over the top he's now crying and saying he just wants this to stop he just (laughs) wants He would just like for this to stop. He would just like for this. It, I don't have to. This is these were his words, mommy. Please just make it stop because you don't have to worry. I will never have sex. This is just disgusting. I won't. I promise. Yeah. Well, you'll have it Pretty perfected good. by the third kid, right? You'll be like, all right, I, I know what I did wrong the first two times. So, this, so the youngest is going to get the really great polished elevator speech about sex. I know. I think he's got, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. And so that was my lovely moment where I shined wonderfully as a parent with sex and my 10 year old. So wait, this is what I wanted y'all to know. That's why I told you about the that iPad. Mm-hmm. About a week later, he brought me his iPad and he said, mommy, I want to erase everything on my iPad, like do a total reset. And so I was like, why is it not working? Is something wrong? And he was like, all of the ads that are coming up on youtube and stuff like that you know it it brings ads based on stuff you search oh no yeah lovely so don't do it (laughs) if you do it do it on your own computer or whatever because when you don't then the ads that come up when your kids are looking for stuff is great oh my gosh so it just this the talk with him was the gift that kept giving it's wonderful no joke no joke (laughs) i'm not sure if i've gotten some good advice here or the the what not to do speech just now (laughs) Don't do it. Don't. Keep you safe till then.